are in a series on the book of Proverbs for the next several weeks. We've been going through wisdom from God for our life. How many of y'all need some wisdom in your life? Come on. The book of Proverbs says, above all else, get wisdom. Get wisdom. And so today I want to talk to you about guarding the gates of your life. If you're taking notes, you could just put that down, guarding the gates. And if you got a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, yeah, we get excited about the Word of God. Come on, the Word of God is exciting, it's powerful. We always shout for the first scripture if you're new to victory and you're like, why are they shouting? We always shout for the first scripture. It always scares the guest speakers because they don't know. They're like, what just happened? (laughs) And uh, we get excited because the Word of God is alive, it's strong. So Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Come on, I brought my... uh, Nerf gun too. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's not it's not super secure right now. I need some help. Pastor Ty, will you jump up here, grab this nerf gun? Just keep an eye out on anyone that doesn't have their guard up today. You got a scope right here, sniper scope. And uh, you know, security's a big deal in our in our world today. Like our, our our nation cares a lot about security. We got secure borders, we're looking after, you know, we're trying to make sure is everything secure, is everything secure. People buy alarm systems, they buy gates, they get passwords on their bank accounts they got they got all kinds of ways of guarding guarding your house guarding your car yesterday i was driving with my son to his football game and we passed by seemed like every neighborhood we passed by his football game was in bixby every neighborhood had a gate had a gate had a gate had a gate you had to have a password to get through the gate because they're protecting the houses protection security and we care about security. We need security. Churches need security. Malls need security. Schools need security. By the way, can we give it up for the security team of Victory Church? We got an awesome security team. We got undercover. We got overcover. We got all kinds of cover. You never know who's packing in the room. I'll tell you who's packing right here is Pastor Ty. He's packing his Nerf gun. Everybody say, guard the gates. Guarding the gates. If you're taking notes, just write that verse. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Out of everything that you can guard, you can guard your house, you can guard your spouse, you can guard your bank accounts, bank accounts, bank accounts. You can guard, you can guard all kinds of things. You can have all kinds of alarms and and locks, but he says, the most important thing you guard is your heart. Above all else, everybody say, above all else. Guard your heart for out of it springs the issues of life. I got another gun. I'm packing some more heat. I need to, I need to figure out how this thing works. I need another. Jeff, I need your help. You're gonna be the, we're going to have an all-out battle here with the water gun and the Nerf gun. We're going to have some fun today. This is what you get when you have a pastor who has five kids and three of them are boys under the age of nine years old. So in our house, there's a lot of Nerf wars, there's a lot of water gun wars, there's water balloon wars. You just never know when you're going to turn the corner or wake up at 5 a.m. with a Nerf gun in your face. How many of y'all have little kids in your house or you once were the little kid that would shoot your parents with the Nerf gun or the water gun? All right. And so I think about how in our house, you got to have your guard up. Everybody said, keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. The wisest man in the world during his time who became kind of unwise when he started marrying all these women and drifted from God and, and, and got himself into some trouble. But when he was walking in the greatest wisdom, he said the most important thing that you can protect in your life, the most important thing that you can set passwords for, more than your Instagram accounts, more than your two-factor authentication, right? They got to text you to get approved if the password was correct. 
He says, guard your heart. Keep a big time watch on your heart because there are enemies at the gate. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Let us leave encouraged, refreshed, reminded that you are for us and not against us. That you are with us. You have not abandoned us. And that no weapon formed against us can prosper. Lord, I pray that today we would leave with our eyes more on you than when we came in. That our hearts would be more submitted and surrendered to your word, your will, your way. And God, that we would be changed by your presence, God. Thank you for connecting us to the people of God today. That we're doing life with together. That we're walking in faith. And we choose not to give up or lose hope. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Can we give the worship team a big hand? They always do a great job back there. So good. We're going to worship more at the end. But I want to talk to you today about guarding the gates. The book of Proverbs talks about several gates in your life. And in the nation of Israel, the, the most important city in Israel still to this day is Jerusalem. Back in the olden days, Jerusalem had gates. They had an eastern gate, they had a western gate, they had a northern gate. And these gates represented access of who could come into Jerusalem and who was leaving Jerusalem. Gates represent a lot of things. You know, when I think about the gate that you might have or you might live in a gated apartment complex, a gated neighborhood, wherever you live, there's all kinds of access points. There's doors. Even when you walk into this room, right, we got doors over here. We got doors over here. We got doors in the back. And these doors are like gates. Everybody say gates. Gates represent access. Gates represent what you're allowing in. And so often we're paying attention to what's coming into our house, but we're not paying attention to what's coming into our hearts. Right? And so, so we're paying attention to all these things. I remember watching this interview with this famous celebrity. He became famous overnight. And the person who was interviewing him said, what was it like when you became famous overnight? He was reflecting back on this. It was a couple years after the fame had, had taken off. He said, well, I was writing songs in my bedroom. Nobody knew who I was. I could go to Walmart. Nobody recognized me. I could go to uh, the gas station. Nobody knew who I was. I walked through the airport. Nobody knew my name. He said, then all of a sudden, within a, a, a month, my music just took off. This was right around the same time that YouTube became a, a big platform. So this was like 20 years ago. And um, he said, once I became famous, I couldn't go anywhere without being recognized. And he said, I had to invest in security. So I paid for a security guard to walk with me. Then he said, I realized I needed more security because it seemed like I just couldn't get anywhere. And I, I couldn't go anywhere without being either seen or harassed or all kinds of stuff. So he said, I paid for a nice security system. I moved into a house on Hollywood Hills. And he said, I paid for a good gate, a good big tall fence, 12 feet tall. He said, I had locks on all the doors, and then I had locks behind those locks. He said, I had an alarm system, very elaborate alarm system, had watchdogs. And he said, I was sitting in my house one day behind the, the gate, behind the security guards, behind the watchdogs, behind the locks, behind the security system, the alarms. And he said, I opened up my laptop in my bedroom, and I started reading the comments on YouTube about my latest song I had just released. And he said, I realized that these comments somehow bypassed the alarm system. They bypassed the gate, the fence, the security guards, the watchdogs. They bypassed all the locks, the passwords on my social accounts, and they went straight into my heart. 
He said, I started reading the most slanderous things about me, what people were saying about my love life, all the decisions I was making, my songs. And he said, as I, as I was reading these comments, he said, my heart started spiraling into deep anger. He said, I'm talking like murderous anger. Then he said, it went from anger to depression, to a sense of there's no way I could defend some of these comments that are coming at me. And he said, I became so depressed, I became suicidal. He said, my heart was so in a spiral that I moved out of my house in Hollywood Hills. He said, I went into a, a, a rehab center in Montana. He said, I spent time for six months trying to heal from the depression and suicidal thoughts. He said, I realized you don't have enough money in the world to guard your heart. You have money to guard your house, to guard your car, to guard your stuff. But it, it, you could be the wealthiest man in the world, but if you don't know how to guard your heart, because money can't guard your heart, if you don't know how to guard your heart, there's not enough money in the world to keep you happy. There's not enough money in the world to keep you protected. And he said, I realized the most important investment I can make is the investment into guarding my heart. Now, this is coming from a very wealthy, successful musician. John Mayer said this, right? But Solomon said during his time, if you're going to invest in anything that you protect, if you're going to invest in any type of security system or protection system, protect your heart. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, I want to back up and I want to look at what happened to Solomon. Because we've talked a little bit about who he was. He was the third king of Israel, the son of King David. David was the second king of Israel. The first king was King Saul. And when David passed the, the, the scepter to Solomon and said, you're now the new king of Israel, God said, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon said, I want wisdom. That's what I need most. God gave him wisdom. He became the wisest man in the world, the wealthiest man in the world, right? Because of his wisdom, so much wealth started coming into the nation of Israel. But watch what happens in 1 Kings 11. If you've got a Bible, 1 Kings 11, uh, verse 4. Verse 4. 1 Kings 11, chapter 11. If we have that on the screen, verse 4. If we don't, I'll find it in my Bible. We'll read it. We'll get, we'll get there. There it is. In Solomon's old age. By the way, just because you get older doesn't mean you get wiser. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm getting older and I'm realizing I don't know as much as I thought I knew. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The older you get, the less you know. Right? Ten of us in the room. The rest of us are still figuring it out. The more of a know-it-all you are probably the less wisdom you have. But the, the more you realize, I don't know that much and I'm still learning, I think we're on the right track. So as Solomon got older, he thought he knew best. And he started marrying all these different women. He started marrying, he married 700 women. And then he had 300 concubines. And if you don't know what a concubine is, just ask your parents later after church. But this is like Old Testament stuff. If, if you know, this is, the, this is what they had in the Old Testament. Kings did this. It's, it's not right, it was wrong. And, and yet Solomon kept doing this, and it says in verse 4 that these women begin to turn his heart away from God. Who you get into covenant with matters. Who you get into the bed with matters. Who you get into relationship matters, because it will eventually begin to turn your head and turn your heart. And Solomon began to worship who they worshiped. They didn't worship God, right? Like, they, they didn't worship the same God as him. Maybe he was thinking, I'm going to missionary date him. I'm going to lead them back to the Lord. I'm going to date this person that I know is not right with God. And I'm going to try to get them back at church. But what happened was they began to pull him away from his God. They began to pull him away from the temple that his dad had raised him in. And he began to worship other idols. In this way, Solomon, verse 6, did what was evil 
in the eyes of the Lord, and he refused to follow the Lord completely. So here's where we've got to watch our heart. How do we know when our heart is starting to drift away? How do we know when our guard is down? Every now and then someone will come up to me in the church and and they'll kind of see me with all of my kids or they'll come up to me after a sermon that wasn't that great and they'll put their hand on my back and they'll say, bless your heart. And I know what they mean. I'm like, thanks. Like you don't actually mean bless my heart. You're literally saying, just turn to the person next to you and say, bless your heart. Come on, how many of y'all know that's not really, like it's not really, but you know what? I, I started to think about it. What would it look like to really bless my heart? What would it look like to really bless your heart? And how do you know when your heart's not blessed? How do you know when your heart is in an unblessed state? If I had a, 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 um, a, a graphic or a picture up here of a heart, I would begin to show you what happens in our lifetime that begins to clog vessels in our heart that causes us to become cold, that causes us to drift from God, that causes us to justify our sin. The sin you used to be convicted of, now you're justifying. You're going, well... So-and-so does it, and they do it, and it's okay now. It used to not be, but it's okay now, and we start allowing things into our heart that we used to say, no, 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 I can't let that greed in. I can't let that lust in. I can't let that pride in. I'm not going to gossip about those people. I'm not going to sit in slanderous conversation. I'm not going to allow that stuff in, but now we've started to drop the guard at the gates. I remember when I was in college, and a movie came out called Enemy at the Gates, and it was this, based on a true story of this battle that was happening in Eastern Europe. And there was this assassin. All right, Pastor Ty, get out your, get out your weapon and just kind of sit over there on the side. The enemy sits at the gates, right? He sits at the gates, just kind of hide back there. And in the movie, this assassin was sitting behind a certain spot. And any time his enemy was coming or the, per, the, you know, the group that he was against, as they were coming through the gates... The enemy would snipe them. Go ahead and just try to shoot me, Pastor Ty. Oh, my. That thing's going 60 miles an hour. Security, security. We need security over here. All right, no, no, no. Don't, don't keep going. You, but, but stay over there. Stay over there. I just don't want to get hit. You can take an eye out with that. I'm becoming an old man. All right. Speaking of that, my wife, she, she said, you need to go to the doctor. You haven't had your annual checkup. I'm like, Okay. I'm 37, right? She goes, you need to go to the doctor. You've been breathing a little heavy on stage. I was like, okay. <laughs> there it is right there in my lap. It's like. <sighs> so I go to the doctor. This was last week. Go to the doctor. And um, this is all going somewhere. You're like, is this going somewhere? Is this a rabbit trail? No, no, this is going somewhere. All right, so I go to the doctor and I said, I need to do my checkup. He said, yeah, it's been like, you haven't been here since 2021. I was like, yeah, it's been almost two years. And so I, I asked him, I said, check my heart. I just want to make sure my heart's good. He's like, why? I said, well, my wife said I breathed a little heavily on stage last, you know, couple weeks. And he said, do you have allergies? I said, yeah. And he said, okay, well, that could be part of it. So he does all the checks, does all the stuff. And he, and, and he comes back to me after he looks at everything. And he goes, Paul, you have the heart of a teenage girl. I was like, I'm a mighty man of God. I'm not a woman. I know who I am. He goes, no, what I'm saying is, you have a healthy heart. Come on, your pastor's got a healthy heart. I'm good. Just because I breathe a little heavy doesn't mean I'm not good. <laughs> I'm out there running. I'm out there hustling. Okay. But, but the doctor did say this. He said, there's things that you may not realize that affect your heart. And it's good that at a young age you're paying attention to it. 
Because what happens is men tend to think that we are Superman. I can do anything. I can, I can, I can, I can hustle hard for 20 hours a day and sleep for four hours. I don't need sleep. I can, I can go anywhere. I can try anything. I can eat anything, right? I can drink anything. And he says, what happens is these men, we think we're Superman, and then it catches up with us in our late 30s, our 40s, our 50s. He said, you start realizing there's some stuff you've been allowing that's clogging the arteries. It's messing with your heart. Just because it might feel good now doesn't mean it's going to be good for you later on. So the assassin sits at the gates. And don't think that the enemy, don't think that the devil is stupid. I think sometimes we think, oh, he's stupid. He doesn't know anything about me. See, that the, Lucifer was once an angel in heaven. And when he stopped worshiping God, he was cast down from heaven. Right? The prophet Ezekiel says, I saw him fall like lightning from the sky. Okay, so Lucifer led a third of the angels. And Peter says he studies his opponents. Peter says that he, he stalks his prey. And he comes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he will sit at the gates of your life. At a young age, he'll watch the rejection you experienced with your mom when you were six years old. And he'll go, check, mom issues, issues with women. And then he'll see the rejection you felt when your dad left you for, for someone else and started another family with somebody else when you were 13 and left your mom. And he'll go, okay, daddy issues, check. And the enemy's watching. He's at the gates. He's going, okay. He's studying his prey. He's waiting for that one opportunity where the door begins to open, where the guard comes down. I've found this. The guard comes down when I'm tired, when I'm, I'm weary, I'm discouraged, I'm lonely, I'm feeling like uh, given up. And don't act like you've never been there before because the greatest preachers in the Bible were there. Elijah got lonely. Elijah felt like he was the only one that was going through a trial. Right? Even Jesus was in lonely places, it says. He was hungry. He was in the fast for 40 days. He was tired, and the enemy came at him. If the enemy came to tempt Jesus, don't act like he won't come to tempt you. If the enemy was at the gates of Jesus when he was in his biggest trial, why would he not show up at your gates? Well, I'm too righteous for the enemy to be at my gates. That's one of the first problems. Pride comes before a fall. The second we think we are spiritually too big for the enemy to mess with, we are on, we're on thin ice. He stands at the gates. He sits at the gates. And he comes. And Proverbs says there's three gates he's after. Thank you, Pastor Ty. I'll call you back in a moment. You and Jeff, get ready for a battle. There's three gates the enemy is after. Three gates. The heart gate we've talked about. The second gate that I haven't mentioned is the mind gate. Your thoughts. Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Your thoughts are like a steering wheel. They, they direct your life. Your thoughts are, 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 are courting, they're, they're charting out the course of your life, right? As, as you think, if you're thinking stressful thoughts, you start making stressful decisions. If you're thinking anxious thoughts, you start living with anxiety. If you start thinking lustful thoughts, you start acting on lustful ideas. If you start thinking greedy thoughts, I need more money, they're not paying me enough, you start taking extra money from the account. It all starts in the mind. The enemy's after the mind. He's after what's between the ears. So he comes and he starts planting these thoughts. The other day I was walking outside and this bird was following me for about 15 minutes. I was walking, keeping my heart healthy. And I'm outside and the bird won't leave me alone. And it's chirping. Chirp, 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 chirp. 
just making noises above my head, like five feet above my head. And I keep thinking this bird is going to try to come down and hit the back of my head. I don't know why this bird is messing with me. And I start getting frustrated. I was like, find somebody else to mess with. Why are you messing with me? I'm talking to the bird. The bird won't leave me alone. I started shouting. I was like, leave me alone. And the bird was still there. And I realized I can't control the birds that fly over my head. But I can control if I allow them to make a nest. Like if that bird landed on my head and I just sat there and go, you can make yourself at home. Just cozy up over my head and lay some eggs up there, right? That would be weird. But this is how thoughts are. You're not bad if you have a lustful thought that comes over your head. But if you meditate on that thought, if you let it sit in your brain, if you don't take captive every thought that's not from God, let's say you have a thought of anger. You get upset at somebody. You get angry. Don't act like you've never had an ungodly thought pop up in your mind. It's, you're not an evil person for having an ungodly thought come. But if you meditate on that ungodly thought, if you let it sit and build a nest, and you begin to think on it, dwell on it, and allow it to stir up uh, imaginations in your mind, well, now we're talking about sin is, is at the door. It's at the gates. And the enemy has a stronghold as a man thinketh. So if I keep allowing those thoughts to fester and to build up, if I could put your thoughts on the big screen right now, Al, Pat, Juan, if I could take the thoughts, y'all are looking at me about, like, I got thoughts. I'm going to put the thoughts on you for a second. I'm turning the camera around. Sam, let me take that camera. You take a picture of me. Let me take pictures of you upside down, right? <laughs> and if I took Keyshawn's thoughts and put them on the, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. We don't think about our thoughts until we start thinking about our thoughts, we don't realize I've been allowing some thoughts of envy. Like I got, a, I, I got upset that someone else got blessed and I didn't get blessed. They got the car and I didn't. They got the increase. They got the promotion. I've been thinking thoughts of jealousy. They're getting celebrated and I'm not getting celebrated. They forgot to thank me. I've been here longer than Paul. <laughs> right? Or, or thoughts of, of, of shame. Right? Just dwelling on past mistakes when God has already forgiven you. What thoughts? The enemy's after your mind gate, your heart gate. Here's the third gate he's after, your mouth. Your mouth. And your mouth is not just the gate of what comes in, of course, what you eat, right? What you drink, but what's coming out of that mouth. This is what Proverbs says in Proverbs 21, verse 23. He says, put a guard over your mouth. Put a guard over your mouth. At the football game of my son yesterday, um, one of the boys forgot his mouth guard. And he ran over to one of the, you know, officials and said, do you guys have any more mouth guards? Mouth guards. He said, well, you can't play without a mouth guard. It's so important because that mouth guard protects their teeth at, at a young age. It, it, it keeps the protection over their mouth. But then I started thinking about there were some parents at that football game that needed a mouth guard too. Because some of these parents, they were getting into it. They were like, that blankety-blank ref made a bad call. One of them came up to me and goes, did you see that call? I said, I missed it. He said, that referee just made that call and didn't move the football back a full five yards. He only moved it four yards. He needs to move that back. He spotted that wrong. And I was like, okay, all right. And so the guy goes over to the ref. He goes, you didn't put that football where it needs to go. The referee looks at him and goes, it's first-grade football. This is like YMCA, and he goes, this is the championship, man. 
He's like, every yard matters. You, need to move. you didn't spot that ball right. So they start getting into it. Everybody say, guard your mouth. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 23. That verse that I was just on. He says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. How many of y'all <laughs> need to keep your mouth shut sometimes? How many of y'all know some people that need to keep their mouth shut? You're like, he's sitting next to me. She's sitting next to me. This is a good sermon for our kids, you know. The truth is we all need to shut our mouth sometimes because where there's a lot of talk, Proverbs says there's a lot of opportunity for sin. And oftentimes the foolish keep talking, right? This is what Proverbs says is, is fools keep running their mouths thinking that it leads to no consequences. Proverbs 13, verse 3 says, those who control their tongue will live a long life. So the enemy's after the years of your life. So what he'll do is he'll get you to say things that, that shorten your life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything, he says. Everybody said, guard the gates. I was at the theaters with my kids, and, and we were watching um, Dora the Explorer. And... Um, I always have to make it rhyme, even though it doesn't rhyme. And so we're, at, we're watching Dora the Explorer. And, and, and in the movie, there's this character that's marching back and forth in front of one of these gates. And he's going, we're guarding the gates. 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 And as I was watching this, it literally like jumped out of the screen at me. And I was like, that's what we got to do. We are the guardians of the galaxy. And the most important thing we can guard believers is the gates of our hearts and our minds and our mouths. And if we do, I promise you it leads to long life. It leads to greater impact. It leads to greater marriages and families. If we can guard our hearts, everybody say, get your guard up. And I've had my guard down before, so I can preach about this from both sides. Because when your guard's been down, you know the consequences of that. But when you get your guard up, you see the rewards and the blessings of a good guard at the gates. So how do we have a good guard? I want to give you three ways to guard the gates of your life. Number one, guard your gate. Guard your heart, your mind, and your mouth with his word. Proverbs tells us, and I'm just going to hit you with a lot of Proverbs today. Proverbs 30. Verse 5 says this, every word of God proves true. Every word of God is true. He is a shield to everyone who comes to him for protection. Okay, so this word is a shield. Everybody say, this is my shield. This is one of the ways that I guard the gate of my mind, of my heart, of my mouth. So get your, get your gun out. Here's what happens. Go ahead and take a shot. Take another shot. So hold up, hold up. When the, you guys seeing this? When the enemy comes with a weapon formed against you, what is the greatest shield? What's your greatest defense? The word of God. So when the enemy comes at you and says, your kids are going to die, you say, no, my kids will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. When the enemy says, your marriage is done, it's over, God's finished with your family, you say, no, in Jesus' name, he's working all things together for good. He's not finished with my family. He's got great things. He who started this work in me will be faithful to complete it. His word is my shield. It's my shield. This is what Proverbs says. And, and Proverbs 2, verse 7 says, he grants a treasure of common sense, praise God, to those who walk in honesty. 
He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So it's not enough to just read the word. I got to apply the word. I got to let this word read me. Every day we take showers, hopefully. Or maybe every other day. I don't know. But here's, here's, here's what we, in our house, we make our kids take a shower each day. And um, the shower, you can't just get in there and, and, and just let the water wash you. You got to have soap. You got to have shampoo. You got to get really clean. And here's what the word of God does. When I begin to read the word, it washes me. When I begin to read, I, I just opened up right here to Jeremiah 51, random chapter, but as I'm reading it, raise a signal flag to the nations, sound the battle cry to Israel, mobilize his army, prepare them to fight against the enemy, bring out the armies, appoint the commander, bring a multitude of horses. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, whoa, this is powerful. This is talking to us right here. I just turned now to Proverbs 2. My child, my son, my daughter, listen to the words of God. It's a treasure for your life. Tune your ears into wisdom each day. As you're flipping through the radio, my, my Bible just turned. Here it is, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him with the tambourine. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As I'm reading the word, it's sharpening me. It's washing me. It's cleansing me. It's renewing my mind. It's detoxing me. And so often, we're looking to other words to be our shield. We're saying, well, this is what Oprah told me to do. This is what Dr. Phil said. I've been, Paul, I've been reading up on the Enneagram, and it's telling me what to do with my life. Hey, man, get back to the Word of God. This is our compass. I'm so glad that I'm not confined to what the Enneagram tells me I'm supposed to be. I have a creator who knew me before the Enneagram was ever made, and he made me to be like him. And he says, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen nation. I'm called to live set apart. So I let the Word of God direct my life and chart my life. It's a shield to me. Proverbs 17, says, a cheerful heart is like medicine for the soul, but a broken down spirit saps a person's strength. It rots the bones. So the word of God, it's medicine for me. It gets me into the place of choosing joy. By the way, who's in charge of your heart? Notice that the Bible doesn't say, let God guard your heart. It doesn't say, let your spouse guard your heart. It doesn't say, let your teacher guard your kids' hearts. It doesn't say let, let uh, Nickelodeon and MTV and Netflix guard your heart. No, no, no. It says you guard your heart. You guard your heart. So if I come into church and I say, man, I'm, I'm really bitter. I'm really angry. I'm really jealous. I'm really afraid right now. And you go, why? And I go, it's all my dad's fault. Who's in charge of my heart? Who's in charge of your heart? And if you say, man, I'm just really, I've just been living really bitter lately. Why? The church made me bitter. But who's in charge of your heart? Who's the guardian of your heart? The Bible makes it very clear. It's not the church's job to guard my heart. It's not Joel Osteen's job to guard my heart. It's not Ty Barker's job to guard my heart. It's not my wife's job to guard my heart. It is my personal responsibility. Can you imagine if I showed up? into Jeff Gooder's backyard at midnight. Get your gun out. He's, he's loaded, right? He's prepared. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's on his back porch. He's waiting for an intruder to come into his yard. I come in. He's locked and loaded. He's like, I'm going to get you with my squirt gun. I come in. He turns on the lights. What are you doing in my yard? I say, Jeff, I'm here to guard your house. What? I'm here. 
to take full responsibility to guard the Gooder house. It is my job to guard your house. And Jeff goes, wait, do you own my house? I go, no, but it is my responsibility to guard the Gooder family household. He goes, no, 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 no. You're not the owner of my house. Get out of my backyard, Paul. You have your own house to guard, to guard, to guard. Everybody say, go home. Guard your own heart. I think so often we are delegating the responsibility of Drew's heart. So if Drew's angry at life, whose job is it to get Drew unangry? It's Drew's job. If Jim is bitter at the church, whose job is it to get Jim unbitter? Because it doesn't matter if 5,000 people line up to apologize to Jim. No apologies will ever be enough for a bitter soul. A bitter soul has to get unbitter by taking personal ownership and saying, hold up. God made me not to be a victim, but to be a victor. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm going to take responsibility. They never apologized, but I choose to forgive them. They never did what was right, but I choose to release them because my heart is too important to give the control to somebody else. Somebody say, take ownership. You won't guard what you don't own. So until you own it, you won't guard it. Here's the good news. I don't have to live every day as if things are happening to me and it's everybody else's fault. I can say, no, no, no. You meant it for harm, but God's using it for good. It came at me, but I don't blame you. I'm choosing to let God use it for something good. I'm choosing to find a reason. See, the word of God helps me to flip the script on the enemy. Instead of becoming a victim of pointing at everyone else to fix my heart, my mind, and my mouth. It's their problem that I got a bad mouth. It's their problem I'm cussing. No, no, no. My mouth is my job, right? My mind is my job. My heart is my job. And how many of y'all know we got enough full-time jobs to take care of ourselves than to worry about somebody else's, all right? So here's the second way. The second way we, we, we guard the gate is we guard our heart, our mind, and our mouth with faith, with faith. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people perish. One version says, where there is no prophetic revelation, people settle for anything. One reason why people have settled into depression is because they've not been told they can live with a hope and a future that God wants to bless them in the days ahead. So, so if I've been told, no, God just wants you to suffer, to be miserable, to, to walk around lonely, depressed, discouraged, overwhelmed, poor, afflicted, the tail, not the head, below, not above... If my theology of God is that he never wants me to live a blessed life, he never wants me to be okay, he never wants me to, to, to be a blessing to my community, then I'll constantly settle. This is why i got to get my faith, not in what other people told me about God. What does God say? He says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He says, the, the things you've seen me do, you will do in even greater things than these. He gives me stories like Jabez, who was named Pain, but he chose to believe that God wanted to bless him. So he prayed, oh, Lord, bless me. Enlarge my territory. Give me a hope and a future. Cause my name not to bring pain. And God granted his prayers. If you're unsure if God wants to bless you, start reading the word. God wants to take care of his kids. God does not give you a snake if you ask for bread. He does not give you a stone if you ask for something to drink. God is a good, good father who loves his sons and his daughters. How many parents love your kids? Any parents love your children? You're like, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all love your children? I love my kids. 
if, if my son Liam came to me and said, Dad, I haven't eaten all day. Can, can you make me a sandwich? Do you think I'm going to turn around and go, here's a rattlesnake. Don't you dare ask for another sandwich. You, you know you're supposed to suffer all your life. What? Even a good dad would be like, hey, man, I'll make you a sandwich. Right? But a great dad in heaven goes, I want to bless you. I want to take care of you. So I want you to get a vision of faith. My dad used to ask us as, as kids. I want the band to come out. He would say, what do you see? Seven times in scripture, God asks, what do you see for your future? I would tell my dad, I see grass, I see trash. My dad would say, I see a 5,000-seat auditorium. I see a dream center one day. He was always having a prophetic revelation of the future. He was saying, I see you guys doing great things. I see you walking in, in, in great glory for God's glory. I see you doing successful things. He was holding on to a vision of hope. Without faith, we cannot please God. Proverbs 23, 18 says, There is a reward for those who persevere, and your hope will not be disappointed. Can I tell you, there's a reward in heaven, but there's also a reward here on earth. And if you haven't gotten your full reward yet, don't lose hope. Keep the faith. When, when the enemy is standing at the gates, whispering fear, anxiety, discouragement, depression, disappointment, curse your life and die. This is what happened to Job. Right? The enemy came at Job, tried to steal everything from him, and then the temptation was, use your mouth to curse God. What did Job do? He said, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. My Redeemer still lives, and he sits on the throne. Even when his own friends said things to him, said, this is all your fault, Job, they didn't understand it. Sometimes as friends, we don't understand why someone's going through pain, and, and instead of trying to help them through it and sometimes just shut our mouths we add to the pain by trying to tell them it's their fault. And in this case with Job, he just, he stayed true to the Lord. He just trusted in God. And by the end of his life, he saw the reward, double for his trouble, right? So Jesus says, get a vision of faith. Whatever you're walking through, these troubles that you're going through, there's going to be troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. We need to stir our hearts up with faith. We need to get our faith in our confession. When you're tempted to curse, choose to line it up with the Word of God. Choose to speak the Word of God. I remember driving up to our church one Saturday. I was preaching in 2013. I was the pastor of our Saturday night service. There was like two or three cars in the parking lot, 10 minutes till church starts. I was depressed. I was sad. I was like, God, nobody's here. Nobody wants to hear me preach. I was like Eeyore. I was like, nobody invited me to their birthday. I'm such a victim, right? And I was like, our best days are behind us. I wish dad was here. He could always minister to a big crowd of people. Nobody wants to hear me preach. You don't want to hear me preach, God. I don't want to hear me preach. And the Lord said, change your confession. You are speaking so much curses over your life. You need to change the narrative. So I remember that day writing on my napkin, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. Once I've started believing that, sometimes you've got to talk yourself into victory. You don't have to feel faith to speak faith. You don't have to feel full of faith to choose to believe a message of faith. I don't have to feel like coming to church to come to church. How many of y'all come, go to places that you don't always feel like going? Anyone go to work when you don't feel like going to work? You're like, ah, I got to go. I got to go. Anyone take your kids to school when you don't want to go to school or you're the kid that has to go to school and you're like, I got to go. I got to go. 
So often we are bowing down to our feelings and we're going, well, if I don't feel it, God's not in it. No, 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 quite the opposite. God is oftentimes in it even when you don't feel it. Stop living your faith based on your feelings. Stop going, well, if I don't feel it, it's fake, Paul. No, 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 it's faith. It's not fake. It is faith to say, even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when my body is decaying, he's working. Even when the doctor says I'm not gonna make it, he's working. Even when the natural looks impossible, he's working. Because I don't live my faith based on how I feel. I don't speak faith based on how I feel. I can face the facts. Just like Abraham faced the facts, he was as good as dead. But then he declared, God is able. My God is able. He can do it. And he did not waver in his faith. He held on to the promise. We fight back. We guard our gates with faith. Faith. And here's the third way. You guard your mind, your heart, and mouth. You guard the gates with worship. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, when there was an enemy coming towards Israel. They would put the worshipers out front. The worshipers were the guardians of the galaxy. They were the Avengers. They were the front lines. They were the ones that would go out and they would stir up. Why? Because worship is a weapon against fear. Worship is a weapon. See, when God told Joshua, the walls of Jericho are going to fall, he didn't say, when you throw your swords at it, when you shoot bombs at it, when you, when you release your bow and arrows at it. He said, when you worship, when you make a shout of praise, when you start shouting, even when the walls are strong, the walls are going to come down. Can I tell you, worship is a weapon against depression, against discouragement, against fear. This is why all through Proverbs, it says, fear the Lord. It's a fountain of life. Proverbs 14, verse 27 says, when we worship the Lord, when you honor God, the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's living your life for the glory of God. When I say, hey, I'm, I'm here to give God praise, it is a life-giving fountain. Worship adds life to you. Worship does not steal years from your life. It adds years. I was talking to someone recently. They said, man, I feel like the enemy stole so many years from my life. I walked through a painful thing. It happened to me, and it stole a decade from my life. How do I get my years back? How do I get my time back? Worship adds years to your life. The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. When I start shifting the focus off of me, what happened to me, and I go, blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord. I will praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How do I guard my gates, my mind, my heart, my mouth? I begin to release praise and worship. I was talking to a couple that's empty nesters. Their kids have grown up and, and left the house. I said, how y'all doing? They said, our best days are right in front of us. I said, yeah. They said, yeah, there was a moment where we were getting discouraged because we thought all of our best memories happened when they were little. And they said, like, when they were in diapers, I was like, I am waiting for my kids to get out of diapers. My best days are when they're out of diapers. And they said, well, you're going to miss these days. And they said, but we started getting depressed when they moved out, went to college, got married, left. Here we are, alone in the house that we raised them in. And then we realized, hold up, we have a prophetic revelation that a vision of faith says, 
my best days are not behind me. Now I get to look forward to seeing my grandkids grow up in the church. Now I get to have memories with my kids and their kids. Now I get to look forward to things to do with, our, with my spouse. And as we begin to worship the Lord and fix our focus, not on what we're missing, what we're lacking, who's not here, but begin to release our praise that God is good, that his goodness and his mercy follow us all the days, that he's been faithful, that he's provided, he's protected, and he who started this work in us will be faithful to bring us to a flourishing finish. Come on, stand your feet all over this place. No matter what season you're in, no matter what grieving you're grieving, no matter what problem you're facing, fix your focus on worship. Fix your mouth on releasing praise to God. Funny story, I was at this basketball game for victory and and the referee made a bad call and I started shouting. I was like, no! And my wife leans over, she goes, Paul, you're wearing a sweatshirt that says, make me like Jesus. She goes, shut your mouth if you're not gonna say something nice. I was like, all right. And, and, and I started thinking about it. If I was aware every day that God can hear what I'm saying, what should I be saying? I should spend more time giving him praise than I do complaining and constantly feeling frustrated. You know, last night I took my daughter out on a date night. We were in the car and we didn't have music on. I just started singing. Jesus is for me. Jesus is with me. Jesus lives in me. So I've got the victory. Jesus is for me. She goes, Daddy, I can sing that. She starts singing with me. We just started worshiping in my car. And I realized you could turn any moment into worship and you'll make a great memory with your family. You could turn any, Ashley and I, we were in an interaction a month ago that just, it was painful. It was a situation where the enemy was at the gates. Jeff, get that water gun out. The enemy was at the gates. And in this interaction, I could feel the enemy, go ahead, just squirt some water this way. Yeah, if it works. You might have to get Ty to teach you how, how to shoot. <laughs> But I could tell the enemy was at the gates and he was trying to, there it is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get it, get it, go, get up. Come over here, up a little bit higher. Not at these people, at me. All right, okay. All right, so the enemy's shooting his, shooting his shots at me. Everybody say, shoot your shot. All right, all right, that's enough, Jeff, that's enough. All right, so the enemy is shooting. Stay right there, he's shooting. He's trying to get us offended. And in this situation, I could just feel this spirit of offense was trying to grab hold of my heart. Ashley's heart and we just decided no 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 we're gonna put on worship music and we are gonna worship our way out of this situation we just begin to worship God growing up in our house there's always situations every week every month with my mom and dad I would watch my mom get up on stage and start singing I'm gonna take it back she would sing these songs from the 90s that she wrote uh, God will restore what the enemy stole, all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and she would sing, and I knew that week she had a bad week. I was like, that's fake. And I would ask my mom and be like, Mom, how did you get up and worship and praise when I know you didn't have a great week? And I asked her this later on, because as a teenager, I, I wouldn't dare challenge my mom and dad. But as I got older, I was like, how did you praise and worship? when you and dad were walking through some really cruddy stuff. And she said, oh, that's simple. She said, I just chose not to let my feelings dictate my praise. She said, if I let my feelings dictate my praise, you would have grown up with a very bitter mom all your life. 
She said, I just kept getting up every week and choosing, I'm going to praise no matter how I feel. I'm going to worship no matter what I'm walking through. She said, I, I learned that I overcame things faster when I praised. Things lasted longer when I refused to praise. You want to get out of a battle faster? Start praising and worshiping. You want to get through a trial quicker with less slime on you? Start worshiping and praising. Just start renewing. Detox all the enemy's offenses that he's been building up in your heart. All the stones that have piled up towards those people. All the coldness. How do you get rid of those stones? You begin to worship and praise. It's like the enemy loses his ground. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, let's just begin to worship in this room. Let's just begin to sing to the Lord. Just lift your hands, no matter what you're walking through. If you want to leave your seat, come and find a place at this altar. If you need to overcome some stuff, come and find a place at this altar. If you need to get your guard back up, come and find a place at this altar. If the enemy's coming in like a flood, come down to the altar. Begin to fight back with worship. Begin to fight back with praise. Begin to fight back with faith. Begin to fight back with hope. those to the altar today that your guard has not been fully up and you know it and you need to get down to the altar today and say I'm going to get my guard of worship back up I'm going to get my guard of faith back up I'm going to get my guard of speaking the word of God meditating on the word of God renewing my mind if your thoughts have not been in the best place I want you to just come and respond to the altar this is a great marked moment today to say Lord I surrender if you're here today and you go, Paul, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with Jesus. I need to give him my heart, my life. I need to repent of my sins. Today is your day. You can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus today. You can have a greater defense today. The blood of Jesus is stronger than your sin, your shame. If you just got a doctor's report that's been causing you to be afraid and, and filled with just sense of anxiety, today, bring it to the altar to say, Lord, I'm choosing to worship you no matter what I feel, no matter what I've heard, no matter what I see in the natural. I'm choosing to fix my focus on the supernatural. Let's just begin to worship the Lord. We're gonna just sing, worthy are you, Lord. You are holy, God. Just give him the glory today. He is worthy. He is worthy of your attention. He's worthy of your focus. Let's 
presence would just supersede anything people are walking through. One of the best things about worship is it, it changes the atmosphere. So where there is an atmosphere that feels heavy. I remember as a kid, I went on a mission trip with my parents to Haiti. When we landed in Haiti, we got off the plane and I never felt this before. I was 10 or 11 years old, but something felt different. And my dad said something. He said, do you feel that? I said, yeah. And he said, there's a heaviness here. And the pastor of the city said, he said, we've been dealing with a really heavy witchcraft um, spirit that's messed with our city. And he said, we're believing that this week something's going to shift in the atmosphere. Well, that week we did all these outdoor services, crusade services. And as we started praying for the sick and those that were depressed or tormented, God started healing them. But then we began to just worship and praise. 
And we just begin to sing, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Come on, how many of y'all know that song? We begin to sing that song, and I'm telling you, there was a peace that shifted the atmosphere in that city. It was like it, the heaviness was lifted. Worship shifted the atmosphere. It wasn't any personality on stage. It wasn't any preacher. It was when people's worship and praise got louder than the witchcraft that had been messing with the city. When you get louder than the enemy that's been shouting at you and taunting you, when you start talking back to Goliath, when you start telling that giant, you are not going to rob any more of my life. Bitterness, you got to go. Shame, you got to go. Sin, you got to go. Depression, you got to go. Suicidal thoughts, fear, anxiety. When you begin to worship God, it changes the atmosphere. So, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would shift the atmosphere in homes, God, in houses, Lord, and in people's workplaces, in their car, God, that they would turn it into a church service. God, that worship would just begin to fill their, their spaces where they're spending their time, that they would begin to lift up just a shout of praise. When the enemy comes with a thought that's not from God, that they wouldn't let that thought build a nest, that they would quickly take captive of every thought that's not from you, that they would guard the gates. God, help us all to guard our gates of our thoughts, our feelings, God, our heart, Lord, our mouth, our words. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for renewing my mind, washing me, making me yours. I will guard the gates of my heart, my mind, my mouth. I submit to you, Lord, for your glory. Do greater things in me and through me. My best days are right in front of me. In Jesus' name.